Hello, MedVet listeners. Today, we have a very special guest and a dear friend of mine who is an expert in her field, Karen Cherry. Today's topic of conversation is going to be framed around the African-American culture and community in the healthcare industry. The force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. And one thing I want to say um, uh, about Karen is she doesn't make us accountable. Um, well, she makes me accountable. And so I can really um, appreciate that. I can really appreciate you um, being, you know, um, in, in healthcare and being a boss in healthcare. Amen. You know? so, she definitely is that. Yeah, <laughs> she definitely is that. So, um, so there's any footsteps I would like to follow. It will be, you know, yours one day. So. Thank you. And I want, I'm going to try to be an author also. Respect to you, Keith. Man, I need, I need to write a book. I, I know you've been getting on me about the articles and everything. So uh, for 2022, I will make sure to try to put that in place. So, so I'm going to encourage you. I, I just uh, buried uh, my bear, my family buried an aunt last week, and she was the last aunt living on my mother's side. And one of the things that was said was. Everything that we did know, we'll never know because she took it with her. So mm. I say that to say, mm. write that book because mm. we need to know. Amen to that, Dan. Wow. See, Amen to that. So, so yeah. with that said, and you, you, you've written two books yourself, two or three. Mm-hmm. Yes. And tell us about how that experience went. Just to start off the audience, let them know what the book was about. Um, just to give a brief synopsis of that, if you don't mind, Karen. So uh, my first book was CSPD Management, What Should I Do?, which is my field in, in healthcare, store processing, central store processing. And so that book came about just from experiences because I worked my way up from frontline to um, leadership and then to uh, being a, a business owner and just some of the challenges that I had in each of those positions do, throughout my career. So I wrote the book to help others navigate, hopefully, through some of those challenges um, to help, you know, ease, trans, ease easier transition for them. And then also that this is not just a job, it can be a career if that's what one chooses to do with this field. And the other book, From Chicken Poop to Soup, uh, is about my life and my life as an African-American a female with challenges, working, you know, uh, relationships, business issues, and on and on and on. Um, and, and also there's a um, documentary coming out spring of 2022 mm. about my book. A producer in New York read the book and decided he wanted to do a documentary. So wow. if you're ready for that, you will be invited to the premiere. Um, and then I did a, a co-author, Wild, uh, with uh, other people in healthcare, what I learned during the pandemic. Mm, okay. Okay. That's exciting. So you hear that here first, listeners. So, you know, for me, I've been in the healthcare industry for over, damn, over 20 years. You know, I started as a surgical tech in the Air Force. And so I worked alongside a surgeon in the operating room, whatever, you know, people see 
on TV, the one when the doctor asked for a scalpel, on the one handing it to him. Okay. Um, then I went from that to becoming a surgical tech instructor. And so I, because my knowledge in healthcare wanted to be expanded, I wanted to train others. So I became a surgical tech instructor, making sure that they knew the way around the operating room. Uh, from there, I became a consultant with a, um, you know, a medical device company. And now uh, for the past 10 years, I've been owning my own medical device um, company, mm-hmm. working alongside orthopedic surgeons and neurosurgeons. And I, I will say that sometimes it's frustrating. Um, it's frustrating, um, you know, trying to navigate the healthcare field. It can be frustrating, um, you know, just talking to doctors and it can be frustrating talking with other, you know, groups as well. What's um, the frustration? The, the frustration is they, when I say they, I'm putting everybody into the category, hospitals, insurance, mm-hmm. doctors, mm-hmm. is they don't appreciate good service. Right now is is more about um, you know who's making money, mm-hmm. who's not making money, who has a handout, and given my over twenty years of experience, I tell people, you know, um, like like Biggie said, you know, put me in a force, I'm gonna come out with a chinchilla. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Put me in the operating room, I'm gonna make sure that your patient's taken care of. Mm-hmm. But that's not what you know hospitals you know are looking for nowadays. They're looking for ways to to save money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that we've created from our experiences is nobody has ever questioned why is it I can get a warranty on a toaster, but I can't get a warranty on my implants. Okay. So right, those, right. those are things that are <laughs> swept underneath the rug. And with what? my experience, you know, we've created that. And I'm sure, <clears throat> you know, a, a lot of things that you've experienced, you know, that you witnessed, you probably have similar uh, frustrations and you probably have a lot more because you've been in the game, you know, you know, longer than I have. And so the challenges that I may have may be surface level. And I'm sure yours probably go a lot deeper than what I'm experiencing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's very true. Like you said, holding, um, accountability, um, responsibility in, in my career. I mean, from my, from my end, uh, I've been in this for over 37 years and, you know, Keith listening to you say scrub tech and then um, uh, owning the implant piece of it. So I'm going to date myself because I said how long I've been in this industry, but I, I can remember not even seeing African-American um, scrub techs. If you, you know, if you were in the ORs because you were an aide or, or something like that, you know, and so um, challenges one were even, being able to uh, get us into these positions. That's one reason I started, you know, SIPs was to be able to create opportunities for um, people that I didn't see that looked like me, you know, in the industry and fighting tooth and nails to, to, you know, to work my way up Mm -hmm. where even as the stir processing um, manager back in the day, you didn't have to have a degree to be a stir processing manager. You just had to be liked. by the right people. And I was the first person uh, in the hospital that I worked in, in the star processing department to become an African-American 
supervisor. And that was even after getting a degree, the manager didn't even have a degree, but that was mm-hmm. after, you know, getting a, getting a degree. So it's, it's been, been very interesting. And, and even with, you know, the best kept secret stir processing was always to me, the best kept secret people didn't even know within the hospital didn't know that stir processing department even existed. And so this department that was, is so important that you didn't have to be in steel in some states, most states, you don't have to be certified. And we, you know, we talked about that before mm-hmm. that just, mm-hmm. I just don't understand that. To, for us to be uh, the people that are responsible for the patient's uh, instruments and to not even have to be certified. So I just think it's time to make more noise you know, for, to legislation in these uh, different states that don't feel it's important for us to be certified because it, it is. I mean, what you were saying with where everybody is about the money and mm-hmm. it, it is, it's, you know, we want to cut back here. We want to cut back there because it's too expensive, but I don't see where, cause I had surgery just this year. I don't see where the cost of surgery has cut back. So why do we want to cut corners when it comes to patient safety? Mm. To making sure that the patients have these um, these these people that are qualified, they have what they don't. You know, it's not important for us to have the best instruments to use, the best implants that these implants are monitored. You know, and things such as that. Because, like I said, as far as the cost of surgery, that hasn't decreased. So mm. why would we expect the uh, quality of service to be decreased? I, I agree. And real, real quick, just for the listeners, I just want to paint a picture real quick. So um, Karen, her professional industry is working in the SPD, which is essentially layman's term is they clean the instruments and implants before they go into the patients. They do a little bit more. Well, and so, I'm just, so I'm just, here. I'm just basically, so they're responsible for sterilizing and cleaning the instruments mm-hmm. before they get into the surgical field. Mm-hmm. And then Keith's part, he is responsible for ensuring the implants are ready and the equipment there to implant the implants into the patient are there and ready to go. Yeah. So we're like, um, so I'm just um, trying to, I'm just trying to put it all together just so they know. So, <laughs> so, so to put it all together is yeah. like Karen, you know, said, is most people don't know we exist or we're in the operating room, meaning that we are essential. So mm-hmm. when during the pandemic, um, you know, we were hearing about, um, you know, people in healthcare going in, you know, you had your nurses, your doctors, you know, they were giving kudos to the janitorial team, you know, as well, yes. which is well-deserved. But also, um, you know, start processing, um, you know, staff, they're essential. Um, as a medical device consultant, we're essential because we are in surgery on behalf of the manufacturer. So we knows the we know the nuances, we know the mechanics of the implants and the instruments and how everything goes together. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so again, with what what Karen and SIF does and what sterile processing techs do, they are behind the scenes, but they are also essential. And not a lot of people know that you guys exist. And, and uh, I cut you off earlier, but, you know, with sterile processing, it's, you know, a little bit more than that. They help manage infection control, mm-hmm. you know, because if there's some kind of, if they're not cleaning the instruments correctly, well, there may be something that it can impact a patient down the line. Absolutely. And so, Absolutely. so there's a lot that goes into, um, you know, what we do in sterile processing. For sure. So my, my point wasn't trying to downplay anything of what you or Karen does, just more so to give a layman's term perspective for the listeners that right. don't really understand. No, of course. And then, so with that being said, 
we both understand what you, how important your both your roles are in the industry, what exactly you do. Now we also know that you're doing this and you're black. Okay, you're African Americans doing this, and I feel that must be as Karen had brought to you know to explain that has been predominantly white. It wasn't even until just a few months ago that there was a black fetus drawn to depict what a black fetus looked like inside a woman's body. And that just happened a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And here we are. You guys are still working in the in industry day to day. So let's talk about those challenges. Let's talk about those challenges as far as being black in your position in this industry. So I'm going to start it off, John Karen. So one of the things that was kind of mind blowing to me that I learned um, a couple of years ago is that most hospitals are nonprofit. Um, you know, they're, you know, they're a nonprofit. And so they're able to get some kind of funds, you know, from different, you know, hospitals. Um, and if you guys knew this a couple of years ago, the NFL was also a nonprofit. And mm-hmm. so these organizations know how to utilize and, um, you know, their, their structure and they know how to make money. If you are um, a nonprofit facility, meaning you're getting assistance from the government and even the state, there should be some accountability with working with minority businesses. And a lot of these hospitals, what they do to get a, to um, to reach that number or to reach that quota, is they put their spend into construction. Uh, they put their spend into office supplies or janitorial services. And you know those people who are getting awarded those contracts are are well deserved. They position themselves to get those contracts. Mm-hmm. But now we are in the operating room now. You know, meaning what you do, you're in, you you support the operating room. What do we say? Me, you say we now referring to the black individual, black community, correct? Um, correct. Okay. Um, you know, so you know, and I've had this discussion now for the past um, six months. You know, trying to talk with different um, board members of local hospitals. Um, you know, different resources that can kind of help us with our outreach um, solutions. But it's just a um, it's a challenge. It's frustrating when I'm certified as a hub, which is a historically unutilized business, certified as a minority, and then also certified as a service-disabled veteran. And I tell people, and I say this jokingly, that if you're looking for a diverse supplier, I'm milk box material. You know, Imperial Surgical Partners is milk box material. We check off all those items. Um, but you know, when most companies reach out to us, I feel as though it's just for them to um, reach a quota. Take that box. Get yeah, take that way. box. Mm-hmm. And they don't, there's no really follow through. They don't want to implement. And, and it's unfortunate mm-hmm. that, you know, we have to wait for the next, um, you know, young man to be shot or something like that, or to have something happen where it's advertised, where now all of a sudden, oh, well, now let's reach back out to them. But like, where's the stuff now? You know, we're still getting shot. We're still in positions where we're trying to climb up, you know, you know, um, climb the ladders. And I'm going to uh, get off that soapbox and I'm going to pass it on to you, Karen. Because I can no, go I, I mean, I, I definitely feel, you, feel where you're coming from because we've been in business since 2005. And so proud to have started, you know, a company that I had done this particular work for, um, 10 years, you know, when I started the company and, and so putting my 
picture, well, getting a website, and I think we may have even had this conversation, getting a website, build, you know, and so when you look at other company websites about us, you see how they have their administration team and how long their pictures, how long they've been in this, that, and the other. So I remember um, going to a place in California to, to try to get an education program put in there. They were three guys that I, I went, spent time with. I mean, I was there all day talking with these guys and at the end of the day, they all came back together. It's unanimous. You know, we want we want your company in here. Money is no problem. So just tell your company to send us the contract. We'll sign off. We want to deal with you. We want you in here, you know. And so I was mm-hmm. so excited. Well, I never misled anyone. I never said I own the company. I didn't say I didn't own the company. I was in there trying to get feel the education need. Mm-hmm. So they were so excited about the opportunity to work with the company, to work with me if I was the one that was going to lead this initiative until they realized I owned the company. Then all of a sudden, that was a problem. We don't have the money. Um, just communication just shut down. And that was a couple of days later after you know doing the paperwork and seeing that I, I actually own the company. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, well, then it was another incident. But at that point, I realized I said in order for us to be able to show and to make a difference because starting the company was to be able to make a difference. I worked for another consultant company that I I felt they weren't giving the clients the best that they could. And there were things that I saw that I felt were being swept under the rug. So I said, well, you know, Karen, just go out there and do it, you know, Mm -hmm. do it yourself. And so with that being said, um, it was just, I was more concerned with being able to get the business to be able to create opportunities for other people than for people to know that I own the company. That was not the most important thing to me. It was to be able to make a difference in the industry. And so, yeah, it, it, it's been, you know, it's been a challenge over all these years that even, you know, even still today, my name, my picture is not on the website. I mean, we've made a big dent and a big difference in the industry. A lot of people know who we are. And so mm-hmm. we can return in customers. But again, like I said, if, them knowing who owns the company is more of a deterrent than us getting the business. So what Keith said, as far as checking off that quota, I remember getting a big contract in New York and um, they dangled a $250,000 bonus saying, if we met our initiatives, we get this $250,000 bonus. It was a three-year contract. So I told them, okay, we're going to take your bonus, but that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard because you're paying someone to do a job. Well, the joke was on me. Uh, A year later, I was told by one of the vice presidents that I had built a report with at that time. You know, Karen, he said, we bet each other that your company would make it 90 days. You know, how disrespectful is that? So that was the $250,000 bonus because they felt like they'd never have to pay it because you know they checked that quota with us being a minority woman business. So they were able to check two boxes, but the bet was we would make it. Well, the joke was on them because we, we wound up uh, doing eight years mm-hmm. in this facility and we left. There you go. Yes. Uh, and it's good to be in that position to where um, you can make that decision to where, you know what, you're gonna leave and you left on your own terms. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things, I know you want to jump in here. Um, well, I want, I want you to get to it, man. You're being very, you're being, no, you're being I, very PC. When we no, jumped no, on this call. It started about no, this no, black no. currency. So let's get to it, baby. So, like. so, so, so <laughs> l- l- let me get okay. to that. And so I want to make sure, you know, K 
Karen shines as well. You sure. know, she shines a lot better She's than got, I do. She will shine regardless, so, trust me. But one of the things that has to be done is transparency, meaning that, you know, our community, let me scratch that. The black community needs to start spending money at these hospitals with these doctors that are going to truly support supply diversity. Mm-hmm. Women, um, you know, um, black, brown, um, veterans. Because, you know, if you go to a hospital's, you know, website, this should be like, hey, we spent X amount mm. with this business. And really, academic facilities that are getting funding from the state. There should be something as far as, you know, transparency to say, hey, this is where our money is going. Uh, and again, outside of construction, you know, that's that's easy. But look at spending money on the inside. And so I think what needs to be done, and I'm trying to identify a way to do this, is to work, is to create a direct-to-consumer campaign, meaning that I want to create um, different outreach programs and say, well, hey, you know, this hospital supports minority-owned small businesses. You know, they're supporting a third-party um, instrument processing company. They're supporting a minority, you know, DME company. They're supporting a black pharmacy. They're supporting a black medical advice company. These are the things that need to be done and is nobody doing it. And one of the things I've learned about hospitals is hospitals are local, meaning that you're not going to find, you know, um, Kaiser Permanente here in, in Texas. You're not going to find some of the big Presby hospitals in New York, you know, in Georgia. You're not going to find, you know, um, Grady Hospital System in Atlanta out in Wyoming. And so right. hospital systems are very local. And I like to say, like, hospitals are like car dealerships. You may have a, a purpose, you know, behind you, but each one is going to have its own brand to it. Each market is going to have its own brand. But at the end of the day, patients have a choice. They have a say in their care. And if, you know, all these hospital companies, they claim to have a diversity and inclusion department or an officer or a director, they need to be on blast. They need to say, well, hey, what are you guys doing to really support the community? Mm-hmm. And it's going to start with kind of creating some kind of campaign and really start, um, you know, working with businesses and even individuals that will say, hey, I want to go to the hospital that really to go and support, you know, um, people that look like me. Hey, Karen, do you feel like, do you feel like this point? do you feel like with your experience right now that there are enough black professionals in the medical industry. So professionals as you and Keith, black physicians, black doctors, black surgeons that are focused on helping one another, or is it more of a challenge? I feel like it's, it's more of a, a, more of a challenge. Yep. You know, I, I looking even in star processing. Um, and now, like I said, in, in the OR, looking at all the faces of color, I remember when I started SIPS, I, I said, you know, it's so we're the ones that run the departments. And, and I look, I'm going to take it back to how talented we are. I'm going to take it back to who built the White House. OK, I went back way far. But I'm saying we are such talented people and we don't give ourselves enough credit. So we look to other people assuming that they know more. Are they a better company? Are they they're better at what they do because they look different than mm-hmm. we do? Because that's how we've been brainwashed. 
And I'm sorry. That's how we've been taught, brainwashed, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I started when I started the company, I looked at different people that uh, were were leading that company. You know, they were the key person in the company making all this money for these other companies are, are even in management. And I said, if we all put our talent together, how amazing this healthcare industry would be. But I kind of feel like it's the crab in the barrel mentality. I've made it over here. And so I don't want you on this side. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, even with, with the star processing piece, I'm, I shake my head so many times. I'm saying we're, we are so, we're stretched so thin by trying to show other people how great we are. They know how great we are. That's why they hired you. They know mm-hmm. how great you are. But if we put all this stuff together, like Keith said, um, and, and those dollars, you know, um, we would get a whole lot more credit and a lot more respect mm-hmm. and a lot further than we are. I, I, I agree. And then, you know, what was, what's interesting is, you know, people would come to me and I'm sure they, they come to you as well. Hey, Keith, I'm looking for a black doctor, a black dentist or, mm-hmm. you know, somebody else that's a black professional. I want to give them our money. What hospital had a black CEO? What mm-hmm. What GPO had the black CEO or had a really truly black um, executive team? I was reading an article a couple a couple of months ago where there is an actual black hospital in um, South Dallas that has basically gone under, and I doubt they're getting any support. I doubt that they're able to get established by the state as a as a nonprofit. But you know, we don't. I mean, we're not looking at okay, what hospital has a truly supportive um, Black executive team. Now, what's what's interesting is I've been meeting with a couple of board members and for some of these hospitals, and now these hospitals are uh, aligning with Black professionals to be on their board. Um, But it should go beyond that. You know, what hospital is supporting um, diverse dollars? And again, you know, get out of just spending it in construction. Okay. So now, I'm a, I mean, I can say this, just being on the board, uh, you know, that's great. But what was that PC? So many times, even when we get on the board, we're so concerned about being politically correct mm-hmm. that we don't say things. We, we just kind of go with the grain. And if the grain's not going the right way, those of us that are on these boards mm-hmm. speak up. No, I, I, I definitely agree. And, but again, it's going to really going to create some kind of outreach programs because, you know, Marcus and I have dealt with situations, I'm sure you have, where, you know, there's a company, oh, well, we have an outreach program. There's so much hoops that you have to jump through to even be a part of that. And sometimes the paperwork, the process can take away the manpower or the resources, unlike the big billion dollar companies. You know, we are a small team, you know, you know, we can't complete these RFPs, which are the request for proposal or, or pricing in a, the two the two week time frame because they're going to take away from other areas where the big billion dollar companies they have a department strictly for that. And so, you know, where I'm going with this is we really need to, you know, have our own outreach programs, make these hospitals accountable, and some kind of transparency to say, hey, we're going to support minority suppliers, not just construction, janitorial services, 
-hmm. or office supplies. There needs to be a pie chart where say, hey, okay, this is where I spend was in Q4 or all of 2021. If you are a nonprofit facility, there should be more accountability. At the hospital, if you're getting state funds, there needs to be more accountability. And what we what, what it's going to come down to is politics. We got to start talking to, you know, these legislators. We got to do what you're doing, going to Capitol Hill, Austin, making, you know, suggesting any kind of, of changes. But if you are getting state funds, just saying that you met your quota in construction should no longer be an option. You know, you can only, you know, exhaust that for so long. Now what are you going to do? Now what are you doing? What's the next step? Okay, you've done it in construction. You got a good resource in that. Now, what about, you know, um... <clears throat> and just, I just want to clarify your point. So just to your point, you're basically explaining that these hospitals that are contracting the minority companies are so focused on minorities only doing work in construction or janitorial services that they don't have jobs or contracts for minority businesses in more professional services, such as you and Karen, who are in healthcare professionals, correct? Correct. Okay. Because what they're doing is they're following the norm. Okay, well, for decades, we've been giving the money to construction and everything else. Well, now you have a company like Karen's that can provide great service. Mm -hmm. You have a medical device company like mine that can provide great service and match pricing. You have another company that can supply you know, the shoe covers, the hat covers, that's black owned as well. So there are different resources mm -hmm. out there and they make it such a challenge. And, and I, I, and I share this with you is I am a service disabled veteran. I would think that the process of getting into a VA hospital should be easy, but it's hard. They're asking for a lot of information. I'm like, well, Hey, maybe every veterans day, they should November 11th, they should say, Hey, we're going to make sure that if you're a veteran-owned company trying to get in with the VA, we're going to dedicate either that day or even that whole month to helping minority or, or helping veteran, you know, retired veterans, um, separated veterans get into the VA. It should not be, I mean, when I went into basic training, it wasn't that hard. So why are they making it so hard for me to do business mm -hmm. with right. the government, to do business with the VA? I served my time. You know, so why is it I, me as a veteran, I am not in a VA hospital and I'm going to drop the mic on that because if some of our listeners are listening and they can kind of help us out. Tell us why you mad. Man. <laughs> no, but no, seriously, I <laughs> seriously, I, I do. I think this is a very powerful conversation. And with that being said, I would like to know, starting off this new year, Karen, we'll start with you. What's one change? that you would like to see and what efforts are you going to take to help the industry get there? Um, for me, it's um, education. Mm -hmm. And so continual that's education within um, like within my company, within the leaders in healthcare um, and yeah, just educate, educating the community. And again, like Keith said, legislation, we don't let that go. So yep. continue to educate. Amen. Can I you gonna ask you the same question? Can you ask me one more time? <laughs> the, the question is, what change would you like? What one change? So one thing would you like to see in the industry? And what are you going to do personally to help it go in that direction? 
Well, I'm glad you asked me that question. <laughs> I'm glad you asked it again. Cause I wanted our listeners to really understand, you know, the changes that we're doing. I like what Karen has done with her, you know, with your book, getting that message out there. And Let's you want focus to on what you're going to do. What I am going to do is I've created an outreach program uh, called ECHO, E-C-H-O, which stands for Equity and Community Healthcare Outreach. And yeah, the purpose it. of that is to create an awareness of other minority and veteran-owned um, healthcare suppliers and vendors. And so all these companies, they reach out to us and they say, hey, Keith, we didn't know you existed. A lot of these big companies in the hospitals, they're going to use that excuse, we didn't know you were out there, we didn't know you existed. Well, now we're going to create a platform, create a resource to say, hey, if you are a minority-owned small business, we want to align ourselves, be affiliated with you. And we're going to work with certain hospitals and say, hey, now we're going to make them accountable. We're going to say, well, hey, what uh, minority businesses outside of the norm have you been working with? And we want to kind of, kind of you know, make them accountable, provide some kind of trans, uh, transparency and some kind of measures. And so what I have done for 2022 and moving forward is created a program uh, for equity and community um, healthcare outreach to better align with uh, diverse suppliers. Because I don't want to keep hearing, oh, we didn't know you existed and we didn't know what was out there. So you're going to know now. Nice, nice. You're going to learn today. Well, you got a new program coming out. You got Karen's new documentary. Be on the lookout for all that. And how how do they reach you, Karen? Um, KarenCherry.me. Amen. KarenCherry.me. Check her out, sips.com. Perfect SPD company. Mm-hmm. Check out Keith's company, Imperium Surgical Partners, and see all the great things that they're going to have starting 2022 and moving forward. Um, I would like to see a lot more changes. And if you listen to this, please advocate for a lot more changes in the healthcare industry for African American suppliers, professionals, and physicians. We are behind the scenes. We're essential. We're making it happen. Thanks for listening. Thank, Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Keep doing what you do. Thank you, Karen. I really. Brother, we can't quit until we get our share.